Hey, good morning, everybody. My name is Travis. This is Alexia. Welcome to New City. We're so thankful that you decided to join us this morning as we continue to worship together as a body of Christ. It's September. There's a lot of great stuff coming up that we want each and every one of you to know about. And one of our values is servant leadership is our offering. What that means is that as, as a community, we're not just here for ourselves. We're not just here to consume. We're here to serve. And so many of you have joined in, joined in to serve here at New City in the past, whether in hospitality production or next gen and we appreciate you you live a life that says yes to servant leadership if you're not serving here at New City to make Sundays happen we want you to say yes we have needs in New City kids New City students production and hospitality so we can continue to create environments where people encounter Jesus and are able to make disciples who make disciples if you're ready to jump into serving we have a place for you you can go to newcity.us slash say yes or go to Connection Point and talk to someone there about how to invest in New City and become a servant leader. Yeah, absolutely, we would love to find a place for you. Another place we'd love to find a place for you is in community. One of the things that we also value is getting people connected into groups and want to let you know about a great event coming up at the end of this month called Group Link. Group Link is essentially kind of like speed dating, but without the awkwardness. It's a chance for you to come and meet some of our leaders, hear about how we do groups. So Sunday, September 26th at five o'clock at our South Park location, we're going to have Group Link for this year. Please go to newcity.us events to find out more. And thank you for being a church that is radically generous. We are so grateful to partner with you to serve people in our city and in our world. As you give today, there's a couple different ways you can do that. You can go to newcity.us give, you can text to give, or there are boxes outside of our worship center where you can also leave your offering. Let us continue now in our series in Daniel, no matter what.
simply come Longing just to bring Something that's a word That will bless your heart I'll bring you more than a song For a song in itself Is not what you have required You search much deeper within Through the way things appear You're looking into my
Lord, we ask for forgiveness for making worship about our preferences and what we like to hear, the songs we like to sing on a Sunday, or about how we sound. God, it's not about any of that, God. It's not about how we look whenever we worship. It's just about coming to you and asking you, Lord, what is it right now? What do you want from me? And surrendering that without hesitation, God. I pray that you just fix our hearts back into that. Purify our hearts and our desires so that we can just worship purely and worship how you defined in spirit and in truth, God. Thank you so much in Jesus' name. you ever have a chance to meet a childhood hero or, or somebody that you looked up to? Maybe it was a, a sports figure or a singer. You know, there's an old adage that says, uh, don't meet your heroes. Um, I'll share one story for, for me. Uh, back in 1988, I grew up in Charlotte. And so in 1988, we, we got the Charlotte Hornets. And the very first player that was drafted was my, was my favorite player. I won't say his name. You can look it up. Um, but I went down to a sports store to get his autograph. And I brought in a card that I had of him, his and, and got to the table finally in front of him and, and, and shook, you know, shook his hand and said, hey, would you sign my card? And he said, oh, I don't, I don't sign that kind of card. I only sign this kind of card. And I ended up having to buy that and whatever. And I still loved him, but my image of him went down just a little bit. Has that ever happened to you? Have you ever uh, met somebody that you looked up to, that you really idolized, and when you, when you met them in person, they just didn't quite fit um, what you had uh, built them out to be? You know, people, uh, oftentimes we make people out to be, to be bigger and, and stronger and more beautiful uh, than they really are in, in, in real life. And, and the reality is that's not their fault. We, we, we like to admire people and cheer people and like people and, and, and follow people and purchase. And we, we obsess oftentimes over an, an image that's been carefully constructed and crafted for us to, to follow or even to, to worship and to bow down to. But here's the deal, guys. You know, people were meant to worship and not to be worshipped. And so when, when we build images of people, uh, even, even childhood heroes and, and kind of icons, we construct this image of them. Oftentimes when we, when we really see them up close and personal, it's like, man, they're not as tall as I thought they were. They're not as nice as I thought they were. They don't, they don't sound as good as, as, I, as I remember. I've constructed this image and I've, I've built something that I'm, I'm following, I'm looking to for worth or for value. Here's, here's the bottom line today as we continue our series on Daniel and we look at Daniel chapter three, just right up front, here's the bottom line. We are image bearers, we're not image builders. We're image bearers and not image builders. God, God made us to, to bear his image, to reflect his glory and image to all of creation. And when we build our own image or the image of other people, we're always going to be disappointed. Uh, let, me, let me tell you a little bit more about what I mean. Image bearers reflect glory. That's what they were made to do. They were meant, meant to reflect the glory of God. God made us in his image to reflect who he is to all of creation. And so image bearers point to the image that they were made in. The Latin phrase, phrase is imago dei. We're, we're made in the image of God. We reflect that image to other people so they can know God. Image bearers stand tall because they bow down to God. But in contrast, image builders end up receiving glory instead of reflecting glory. 
They, they live for the adulation of other people, for the applause of other people, for the approval of other people, and they project an image to make other people follow them or worship them or bow down to them. Image builders need other people to bow down to them in order to stand tall. I, I, Im, image bearers, because they bow down to God, they can stand tall. God made each of us to be image bearers, to share his likeness with other people because we were made in his image. And when we forget that, we begin to build and construct other images, whether it's of ourselves or other people, that we want to bow down to or worship. And that's the context of our story today in Daniel chapter 3. Uh, you'll remember in chapter 2, Nebuchadnezzar, who's the king of Babylon, has this dream and he calls all the wise men of Babylon to come and interpret the dream. And instead of telling them the dream, he says, no, you're, you're you know, uh, the magicians and the sorcerers and the wise men, you tell me what the dream was. And they say, no, we, we, we can't. But there's one person that's able to tell him the dream and interpret it, and it's Daniel. And it wasn't Daniel that did it, it was God. And God receives the glory because Daniel gives it to him. And Nebuchadnezzar, at the end of chapter 2, you'll remember, actually bows down before Daniel and says, your God is the, is the only God. But then this happens at the beginning of chapter 3. Just, just right after that moment, this happens. King Nebuchadnezzar makes a gold statue 90 feet tall and 9 feet wide. And he sets it up on the plain of Dora, chapter uh, 3, verse 1 says, in the province of Babylon. And then, this is what happens next, he, he sends messages to the high officers and officials and the governors and advisors and treasurers and judges and magistrates, all the officials, uh, to come to the dedication of the statue that he had set up. So all the officials, they, they came and they stood before the statue of King Nebuchadnezzar, and then a, a herald shouted out, People of all races and nations and languages, listen to the king's command. When you hear the sound of the horn and the flute and the zither and the lyre and the harp and the pipes and all the other instruments, bow down to the ground and worship King Nebuchadnezzar's gold statue. And anyone, listen to this, verse 6, anyone who refuses to obey will immediately be thrown into the blazing furnace. So at the sound of musical instruments, all the people, whatever their race, whatever their nationality, whatever their language, they bowed down to the ground and they worshiped the gold statue that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. You know, we forget only God moments really quickly, don't we? At the end of chapter two, again, the context for all of this is this miracle that God uh, interprets Nebuchadnezzar's dream, and the dream points to the end of his kingdom. And not only the end of his kingdom, but the end of the Persian kingdom, the end of the Greek kingdom, the end of the Roman kingdom, and this everlasting kingdom that God was going to set up. But Nebuchadnezzar seemingly forgets all of that. And in the very next chapter, what is he doing? He's setting up this image for everyone to bow down and to worship. He builds an image. Right after he said, Daniel, your God is the only true God. And not only that, look at the context of this. Nebuchadnezzar, he doesn't just construct a, a statue. It's a 90-foot statue that's nine feet wide. And it's made of what? It's made of all gold. 
So if you go back in chapter two and you look at the, the interpretation of the dream, there's all these materials that this statue that Nebuchadnezzar dreamed about were made of, gold and silver and bronze and, and metal and iron and clay. But Nebuchadnezzar makes his statue of all gold. What, what is he saying? Hey, all these other kingdoms that you talked about, Daniel, it's, it, it, forget about them. It's about me and my kingdom. I'm setting up this image. I'm building this image that's all about me. And the statement that he was making with the construction of the statue and everybody, every tribe, every tongue, every nation bowing down and worshiping, which by the way, that's, that's a phrase that's used in Revelation as well, that every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. And Nebuchadnezzar wants every knee to bow and every tongue to confess that he is Lord. He's the true king. He's already forgotten what happened in chapter two. He's saying, this is all about me, that my kingdom will never come to an end. That's the the statement that he was making with this all gold, 90 foot tall statue. Yeah, I read this story about Hugo Chavez. Some of you remember he was the the dictator in Venezuela until his death. And on his deathbed, he reportedly grabbed a doctor by the collar and he mouthed to him, don't let me die. I command you not to let me die die. Can you imagine? And in contrast to that, we, we read the Apostle Paul as, as he's facing certain death and execution, and he writes, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. And I think in that contrast between Hugo Chavez and Paul, we see the difference between an image builder who was facing his own mortality and could not come to terms with the fact that he was going to die and his image was going to die. And we see the Apostle Paul saying, hey, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain because it's not about me. I'm an image bearer, not an image builder. We actually have a letter from Babylonian times uh, from 600 BC that's attributed to King Nebuchadnezzar, the one who constructed the statue. Uh, It says, beside my statue as king, I wrote an inscription of my name. And the letter goes on to say, he who respects my royal name and does not change my laws shall be secure. You know, we all want security in life. And, And seemingly, Nebuchadnezzar is offering security to people who will build an image of him and, and bow down, not only build it, but bow down to that image, something that he could never offer to people, but he does it because he, he desires their worship so badly. And where does Nebuchadnezzar choose to build this golden statue that stands 90 feet tall? Well, it's in the land of Shinar, which we find in Genesis chapter 11 where the Tower of Babel was constructed. This isn't the first time that people built something to the heavens uh, that that was basically an object of worship. Uh, The people in Genesis 11 said, let's build a tower to heaven basically so we can get to heaven on our own and we can make a great name for who? For God? No, we'll make a great name for ourselves, just like Nebuchadnezzar was trying to do. Some things don't change. You know, I think the opposite of Christianity is not agnosticism or atheism, the the disbelief that they're in an existence of God. I think all of us are believing in someone or something. All of us are either bearing an image or we're building an image. The, The opposite of faith in Jesus and trust in him and being an image bearer is idolatry. It's, it's making someone or something else out to be our God. And that's, that's what's happening here. And every time we do that, guys, 
because it's not just Nebuchadnezzar, right? We're all tempted to do the very same thing, to, to build an image of ourselves or someone else or a relationship or finances or whatever it might be and bow down and worship it. And whenever we do that, we're setting ourselves up and other people up. And I want you to do something for me. Go and read chapter three this week. That's your homework. Go and read Daniel chapter three. We're just covering the first seven verses today and we'll continue next week. But I want you to circle how many times the, the, the phrase set up uh, occurs in, in the chapter, in this, in this story about the, the golden statue. It, 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 there, it's there six different times, that phrase set up. Go and find them in your scriptures. I think Daniel wants to make it abundantly clear that Nebuchadnezzar had, had built this image and it was all a setup. And after all, image building in whatever form or shape that it takes in our own lives, it's always a setup. It sets up our disappointment. We're invariably let down because other people can't be God. They weren't meant to be. And so they let us down. They, it, it, it makes us angry. It makes us depressed. It's all a set up to our own negativity and oftentimes and oftentimes our own disillusionment with, with life and other people. Last week I used a quote from C.S. Lewis. Maybe you'll remember it. Lewis wrote, human history is the long story of man trying to find happiness in something other than God. Guys, that's what idolatry is. That's, that's all it is, is it's, it's trying to find happiness. It's trying to find meaning and purpose and worth and value. All the things that our hearts crave and desire, it's trying to attach that to someone or something else, which is always, always a setup. In fact, negative self-image, if I can say it this way, is actually a setup from image building. You know, so many of us struggle with a negative self-image or, or low self-esteem. And, and I love what Tim Keller says about this. He says that low self-image or negative self-worth, uh, if you struggle with that, is actually um, the opposite side of the same coin of pride. And that seems really weird because it's like, well, I think about prideful people, and then I think about people that are really insecure, um, you know, with, have a low self-esteem, and they, they seem like totally different people. But here's this point, is they actually are the same coin, just opposite sides, and really the, the coin is self. The, the, the origin of all that is that we're trying to, to live up to an image, or we're trying to make ourselves into an image that we, we can never achieve. And so we feel really, really bad about ourselves, or we think we have achieved it, and guess what? We feel really, really good about ourselves. And so Lewis went on to say that humility isn't thinking of uh, less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. In other words, it's, it's less and less about me, and it's more and more about God. It's more and more about me being an image bearer and not an image builder. A lot of times we think that it's, that it's just egotistical narcissists that, that make these statues out of them, themselves and build these images themselves. But the truth is that all of us can do that in various ways. Some of us have made 90-foot statues of our past, of our, of our regrets, of our negative self-worth or self-image, and we, and we bow down to it because we're, we're worshiping this image. And, 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 and instead of bowing down to Jesus and worshiping him and bearing his image, we're, we're, we're worshiping this image that we've made of ourselves or our past or what we think we should be or someone else, and we're beholden to it. You know, people weren't made to be worshiped. People weren't made to be worshiped. They were made to be loved. 
and God loved us in a perfect way. And our response to that is to believe him and to trust him and to only bow our knee to him, to be conformed into his image. Because here's the deal, guys, practically speaking. People, because they weren't made to be worshiped, because they're made in the image of God to be image bearers and not image builders, people cannot handle the weight of our worship. If you want to crush a relationship in your life, whether it's you know, with your spouse, your kids, your work, whatever it might be, if you want to crush someone else, worship them. They can't handle the weight of our worship. When we take a good thing, you know, uh, our, our marriage, uh, our kids, you know, all these good things, when we take good things, the gifts of God, and we make them the ultimate thing, that's really what idolatry is. And you say, Chris, I've heard that word many times. I know that's a Bible word, idolatry, and it's, it's making something in the image of God and building that instead of uh, bearing the image of God. But, but I'm not an idolater. I don't, I don't have idols in my life. Well, here's, here's, here's just a little test, okay? Here's a little test, and this, this comes from, from Tim Keller about what idols are. This is what he said. Your idol, okay, you ready? Your idol is that thing in your life that if you lost it, you feel that you could not go on. Your idol is that thing or that person or that relationship or that, those finances or that house or whatever it might be. It's that, it's that thing or that person in your life that if you lost it, you feel like you could not go on with life. Jesus wants so badly to conform us into his image instead of us just chasing through life trying to conform to someone else's image that they've constructed or an image that we've made of ourselves that we just we try to achieve in our own merit or our own strength. That's impossible. In fact, Paul wrote it this way in Romans chapter 8, verse 29. This is from the message. God knew what he was doing. Imagine that. God knew what he was doing from the beginning. He decided from the outset to shape the lives of those who love him along the same lines as the life of his son. And if you go on to read Romans 8 there, Paul says, you know, we were, we were, con we were conformed to his image. In other words, in other words we're, we're being molded and shaped and made into the image of Jesus as we love him and we, we trust him and we worship him instead of being conformed to the image of something else that we've constructed. You know, there's, there's, there's only one name. There's only one name. That, that is meant to be bowed down to and, and, and worshiped. And it's not, it's not the name of your spouse. It's, it's not your name. It's not the name of your kids. It's not the name of your, of your nation. It, it, there's only one name that we were made to worship and, and bow down to and be conformed into the image of, and that's Jesus. You know, at the end of chapter two, this, this dream that, that's the whole setup, if you will, of the, the statue being constructed and the image being built that Nebuchadnezzar made is, is um, the, the, the dream talks about these, these different kingdoms, right? And, and, and different parts of the statue represent uh, the different kingdoms. And so there's, there's Babylon and then there's the, the Persians, which that must have irritated Nebuchadnezzar to think that there would be another kingdom that came after him. And then there's another one, the Greeks, and then there's the Romans. Uh, but, but then Daniel says this in his interpretation of the dream and his, his message to Nebuchadnezzar. And this is probably a good place for us to, to wrap the message today uh, in chapter 3. 
Daniel says here in verse 44 and 45 at the end of chapter 2, he says, During the reigns of those kings, talking about the, the images and the, the different kingdoms of the statue uh, that were represented, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed or conquered, Daniel says. And he's saying this to Nebuchadnezzar, imagine. That kingdom will crush all these other kingdoms into nothingness. And it will stand forever. Verse 45, chapter 2. That is the meaning of the rock cut from the mountain. Though not by human hands that, that crushed uh, to pieces the statue of iron and bronze and clay and silver and gold. In other words, all of those other kingdoms, this kingdom's going to crush. The great God was showing the king what would happen in the future. The dream is true, and it's certain. You say, Chris, what in the world are we talking about? Well, Nebuchadnezzar constructs this statue here in the first seven verses in chapter 3. He's building this image, and it's in direct response to this prophecy that Daniel is giving to him that, hey, listen, one day, one day, God is going to set up a kingdom that will never end. And, and the stone that's, that's hewn from the mountains, not by human hands, is going to crush all of those other kingdoms, the Babylonians, uh, the, the Persians, the Greeks, even the mighty Romans are going to be crushed by this stone. And guess who Jesus said that, that he is and he was and he will be? At the end of the parable of the, of the tenants, he says, I, 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 I'm the stone. And, and, and everyone who falls on this stone will be crushed. Every kingdom, every, every image builder that tries to come against the one true God, the one true image that we're meant to, to worship and to bear is going to be crushed. In other words, what Jesus was saying was the prophecy is true. Jesus is the fulfillment of what Daniel was saying as the interpretation of the dream. And so when Nebuchadnezzar constructs this, this statue and he, he asks every tribe and nation and tongue to bow down, actually it's a forerunner and a picture of what we're meant to do with Jesus, that every tongue will confess, every knee's gonna bow, that Jesus is Lord for his glory forever and forever. Because here's the deal, guys, bottom line. We're image bearers. We were created to be image bearers. We're not image builders. And when we get those two confused, things get really weird in our lives. Not only that, when we build images of other people or ourselves, we end up crushing those people and crushing ourselves because that's what Jesus said. Every image that is built up against him is going to be crushed. God made us to be image bearers, not image builders. So the instruments, just like as it was told here, all the instruments of, of Babylon sound, and everybody, every, every race, every language, every nation, every person in the Babylonian Empire, which was so expansive, bowed their knee down to this great image that had been built and set up by Nebuchadnezzar for worship, except a certain few Jews. There were a few people that refused to bow their knee to an image that had been set up because they knew they were image bearers, not image builders. And you'll have to come back next week as we continue chapter three to see what happens next with a sermon entitled, No Smell of Fire. Let's pray together.
God, would you help us today to be, to be image bearers made in your likeness, to reflect your glory in all of the world? Would you help us to be image bearers and stop being image builders? Please forgive us for the ways that we, we set up our own image and we set up our own self-worth and value. And um, we want other people to, um, to see us in this image and we want to see other people that way. And it's all a setup. Please forgive us. God, would you help us as image bearers to be conformed to your image like the Apostle Paul said? instead of conforming other people to our image or conforming ourselves into the image of someone else and something that's been created, would you help us to be conformed to your image, the creator, the one who made us and knows us and loves us? And would you help us, instead of building our own brand or our own image, would you help us to build your kingdom in this world? Would you help us to be your kingdom ambassadors, a reflection of your glory and what's to come forever and ever? And we'll give you the glory for it. In your name, Jesus. Amen.